Colleagues, welcome back to the office. We're going to get started with our presentation here just in a moment. But before we do, I have a couple of brief announcements to share with you. First, if you're watching our course live, please note that we'll confirm your engagement through polling questions uh, that you can respond to. Polling questions will occur about every 12 to 20 minutes, and please keep an eye out for them because they might not be announced. If you're watching after the fact, it's a self-study course. You will confirm your participation and engagement with our course today through a brief quiz that you'll complete on cpetoday.com after watching or listening to our presentation today. Your completion certificate will be sent to you by email. As long as you respond to 75% of the polling questions, if you're watching live, you will receive full credit for today's course. If you're watching after the fact as a self-study course, please note your certificate will be available to you immediately after passing the course quiz. We'd love to know what you think of our content and of our presentation today. If you wouldn't mind completing our course evaluation to provide your thoughts and feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, your feedback is used to help produce better and more insightful courses for you to consume in the future. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. If you're watching live, feel free to use the chat dialog box to ask your questions to the presenter. And if you're watching after the fact, you can send us an email at support at cpetoday.com and we'll follow up with you as quickly as we possibly can. As a reminder, the CPE Today podcast is available as a joint effort between CPE Today and K2. Twice a week, we're bringing you the latest and greatest in technology, accounting, business knowledge, and more. You can watch for free on cpetoday.com, YouTube, or Facebook. If you can't make the live presentation, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and listen to the show on your own time. All of our podcasts are eligible for CPE credit. After watching or listening, you just head over to cpetoday.com. You complete a short five-question quiz, and you'll earn a credit for watching or listening. Now, if you've never tried one of our classes before, how about you try one on us risk-free? You can use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to make any podcast course of your choosing 100% free. We're going to get started here with our presentation. And again, thank you so much for being here. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody. This is Excel Essentials for Staff Accountants. My name is Steve Yoss. Again, it is a pleasure being with you in our class. Uh, today's class is going to be looking at everything I think you need to know as a staff accountant to be effective and uh, useful and productive inside of your organization. Uh, Excel is one of those things. It is the Swiss Army knife of business. Uh, it's one of my favorite metaphors to use when discussing this application because it really can be and serve so many different incredible purposes for your organization. Everything from producing financial statements and doing detailed analysis to just being something for scratch work and figuring out and just doing a quick and dirty, uh, you know, um, analysis to figure out the, you know, profitability or figuring out what uh, inventory, you know, you should purchase or carry in the coming year and more. And it's a tool that many of us have already have some experience and familiarity with, but rarely are we specifically trained on how to use this tool effectively. Uh, and so we kind of, you know, just kind of learn on the job and most of us pick up things from other people. Um, but we don't ever kind of learn what those essentials might be, you know, and what, what we could essentially do uh, inside of this application at a ground level to really kind of be effective and powerful in this application. And what this uh, class is aimed at is really kind of aimed at providing that deep level of foundational skill within the context of using Excel uh, to give you the, uh, the, um, 
the insight and the uh, the skills necessary to not only just be able to use this application, but to really use it effectively. So in today's class, which is broken up into five different chapters, uh, we're going to be looking at you know, these fundamental principles and how we can leverage and use Excel effectively. Uh, we're going to start off first with discussing and designing our spreadsheets and what those might be. Uh, in here, we're going to talk about, uh, for example, creating navigation, creating hyperlinks, utilizing templates inside of Excel. Uh, from there, we're going to move on and take a look at formatting. And formatting, while that might seem like a really simple thing, unfortunately, a lot of people get formatting wrong. And they also spend an inordinate amount of time doing formatting inside of their work. Workbooks, And so my intention here is to really kind of give you and pull back the lens a little bit on some of the tips and tricks that make formatting actually quite simple and a breeze inside of Excel. Um, I see accountants for the most part spending way too much time formatting their workbooks, uh, when in reality it's actually quite simple, especially if we use some of the built-in features and functions like styles, uh, whether it be pivot table styles, table styles, and more. Uh, we can do those uh, with one click rather than you know combining several different formatting options together to get the same effect. And so we'll talk a little bit about how you can leverage using uh, your uh, formatting. Now, formatting is beyond just the you know the the colors and the underlines with respect to cells. There's actually some other useful things to know here. You know, including how zeros are displayed, how dates are displayed, creating custom number formats, uh, and more. So there's actually quite a lot within formatting. And uh, out of all the chapters, I, this is usually the one people walk away from with some pretty good insight. You know, on things that they didn't know that can really help them on a day to day, especially as it relates to kind of producing using gap-related financial statements. Uh, from there, we're going to go ahead and take a look at some formula stuff and some table stuff. Uh, tables are one of my absolute favorite, favorite features inside of Excel, and they are a very, very useful um, feature of the application. And uh, I'm going to introduce tables probably first because there's so many things within tables that I think you should know how to do that... Um, Frankly, I want to teach formulas in the context of tables. Um, tables, if you're not familiar with them, they are a container for information inside of your workbook. And now you might look at an Excel workbook and you say, Steve, well, there are you know rows and columns. I really feel like that's a table. And you're correct. There are rows and columns, but a table is a purposeful thing that you add to an Excel workbook. And they make virtually every operation inside of Excel better, more efficient, faster, and easier to use. Um, I use them constantly. They're probably the thing I do the most inside of Excel. Uh, they auto-replicate formulas. They make styling efficient. They are wonderful for precursor as a precursor functionality for things like pivot tables or charts, graphs, and more. And in the context of formula writing, the structured references that tables provide make it a no-brainer to use. And so we'll probably talk about tables first and then get into some formula fundamentals that I think are useful for you to know. Now, before we get going, I got a couple of housekeeping announcements and then we are going to go ahead and get started here. Again, my name is Steve Yoss. I am an instructor and presenter with K2. I've been a, an instructor with K2 now for many years. Uh, many of you I've had in classes before. And if you're a returning uh, student, thank you so much for coming. It's always a pleasure to have uh, you in our classes. And if you're a new student, 
thank you. I appreciate you coming to check me out and coming to check out uh, what I have to teach here. Uh, in my life, my experience is split right down the middle. Half my life is spent writing and teaching and thinking about technology. Uh, I write anywhere from about 20 to 50 courses per year uh, on Excel, Power BI, databases, security, fraud, accounting, audit, you name it. And the other half of my life is spent doing software development in my business, Devmatics. Uh, my business, we build all different types of applications with our American-based uh, uh, engineering team. We build mobile apps. We build integrations between different tools. We build custom databases and more. If anybody has any questions on tech, by all means, please consider me a resource. You can always reach out, and I'd be happy to answer any questions or at least at the very, mo very minimum try to point you in the right direction. All right, folks, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. And the rest of our class today will be entirely inside of Excel. All righty, let's go into our next section here, which is going to be on managing our indentation. Okay, figure 57 here. Let's go ahead and take a look at our indentation. All righty. Now, I mentioned this a little bit ago in our first section, and I actually showed you how you can rectify where you've got a weird indentation thing and you can't figure it out. It won't indent or dedent um, with respect uh, to you just using the number formatting, uh, the format painter. Uh, you know, if you got something weird here, you know, you can always just use that number format and it'll reset that to whatever the appearance is of that other cell. But sometimes having that indentation is actually what you're looking for. Now, let me show you what most people do, okay? Most people, when they're creating a financial statement, they end up using columns to create separation inside of their reports. So let me create a new worksheet here. I'll just give you a simple example. They'll do something like this, our balance sheet, okay? And then we're going to have assets, okay? And then they want to create some indentation. So they'll do assets, current assets, okay? Okay, and then they'll come over here. Let me Bank of America, Wells Fargo. Okay, and then they'll come down here and then maybe they'll do uh, fixed assets. Okay, property, plant. Equipment. Okay, maybe they'll do something like this, like total current assets. Okay, likewise, we'll come down here, total fixed assets. Okay, and then we'll do like uh, total assets. Okay, now what they'll do is that they'll adjust the column width to get the level of indentation that they want. Okay, the issue that this is, is that you've actually created data in three different columns. And if you wanted to do a lookup, to do some sort of calculation, well, guess what? You can't do that, okay? And the reason being is that lookups are traditionally single column, okay? So maybe you could figure out some sort of concatenation or text join, but this is just generally bad practice uh, because, again, you've created that separation where it's actually spread across three different columns. What I'm going to encourage you to use is instead to use indentation. So over here, we've got our, you know, in another example, and we've got our operating expenses. And rather than put payroll, rent, utilities in a column B and moving it over, what we're actually using is the cell indentation, which is going to be in the home ribbon under the alignment work group. And what this allows us to do, if we need to bump something out like this, let me just go ahead and reset these back. 
Okay. We could select these cells and then from this alignment, we can indent or we can decrease the indent or dedent it. And what it'll do is it'll give us that same kind of visual separation here, but it still keeps everything in one cell. And so if I wanted to go do a, a V lookup or an index and match, let's say I want to go match uh, rent as an example here. Okay. And I'm just using the match function, which goes and looks up something. Okay. It's going to come back. And in this case, it does match. It matches to row 14. Okay. If this was spread across two, two columns, I couldn't use the match, the X lookup, the index and any of that. I mean, because it would be in multiple different places, we would end up having to use multiple, uh, logic formulas to check first, the first column, then the second column, then the third column. And frankly, it's going to create other issues for you. So if you need to create the visual separation of your report, do not create separate columns for this. Do it all in one column and then use that, that column indentation to create that visual separation for you. Okay. It's a fast, efficient, it's even easier. Definitely consider using it. Alrighty. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about manipulating text inside of Excel. Alrighty. Now I'm actually going to show you a couple of different things here with respect to manipulating text. Uh, I'm going to show you first text functions. Then we're going to go ahead and talk about um, we're going to talk about why you shouldn't use them unless you need them. And we're going to show you the uh, the flash fill option, and then I'll just preface all of this by saying none of this really matters anymore. You should use Power Query uh, most of the time. Okay. Saying that, though, there are five functions inside of text that you just need to know off the top of your head inside of Excel. Uh, there are five text functions that every accountant needs to know because they're very useful for manipulating text to get it to display the way that you want. Okay. Now, those five text functions are going to be left, right, mid, find, and len. And with those five functions, you can parse which is the, the technical computer science term for splitting things into whatever you want them to be. And with respect to these, uh, these text functions, what allows us to be able to do is like, if we needed to go and grab a specific name or a zip code or something else like this, we can do so quite simply and easily. Okay. So let's just go ahead and I'll give you an example here. Let's just say if we wanted to grab in this case, uh, Nancy's name. Okay. Uh, now actually, let me just create a copy of this worksheet just so if I can reference back to it, I don't remember all the formulas off the top of my head for this, but, uh, let's just go ahead and try this out. All right. So if I wanted to get Nancy's name over here, what I would look for would be something to break apart her name from something else. Ideally. Ideally here, uh, we would have some sort of delimiter. Okay. And a delimiter is just something that breaks apart a cell. In this case, we've got a comma as our delimiter here. Okay. Now what we could do is we can actually use the find function and we can tell it to go search in somewhere. And we can say, go search in a two, find that comma function and find the first occurrence of it. Okay. And Go find that comma and there you go. Come on. What is wrong here? Start with 
number one. Why are you giving me a value there? What do we got here? All right, let's try that one more time. Equals find. Okay, oh, duh, I wrote them in the wrong order. Okay, double quote, comma, okay, like this. And then we want to tell it to go find it with an A2. And it comes up with 16. And that's the first comma listed here. And so that's the 16th character over. Now, if we pass this over into the left function, equals left, we can tell it to go over here to cell, get the first 16 characters here and guess what we get that uh, nancy freehafer and if we copied that down we'd end up getting something appropriate and you'll see here we actually included that comma so we actually wanted to tell it to go one less than that so using both find and in this case left we can get exactly what we want so we can go ahead and do equals find find that comma find it over here Okay, that gets us our 16. And then what we're going to do is we're going to pass this into the left function. So we're going to tell it to go over here to that left cell. And go grab it. And that just gets us our name. And sure enough, we'll get that name presented. But you'll see here we've got one issue. What's that one issue, folks? That one issue is that extra text. And so we're going to come over here and we're going to say get one less. Okay. And sure enough, it does exactly what it's supposed to do. Okay. Now, we can also use the mid function, and this is where it starts to get a little bit complicated. And I'm just going to copy this formula here just so that I don't have to type this whole thing out. Okay, that mid formula allows you to go to a midpoint inside of a cell, and it allows you to pull out just some specific text. In this particular case, we're telling it to go to A2, and we're telling it first to find the first comma, then to find the second comma, determine the space between it. That's what the len function does. And then to get the appropriate stuff out. But this is where, frankly, these text functions start to break down when we're trying to break apart stuff in the middle of that particular cell. Okay, so it's useful to know these things because um, you're still going to need them. But uh, frankly, there are better ways of handling this. And I'm going to show you what those are here in a moment. But to illustrate our point, again, those five formulas, you've got left, right, mid, find, and len, okay? Left goes to the left so most side of the cell. It'll grab whatever text we specify. Right goes to the right most side of the cell. So I'll show you right here really simply, and this one's easy because we can just tell it, hey, uh, go and get the five most characters to the right. Well, that ha always happens to be our zip. That's the last thing listed. So right will go and grab stuff in the right side. Mid will go to a midpoint. You tell it three arguments, where to start and how far to go. Um, and then there's optional parameters with that as well. And then we also have len and find. Uh, len will just basically count how big something is. So if we did equals len here, it's going to count how many cell, uh, how many characters in this. In this case, there's 48. It'll tell you how long something is in terms of number of characters. So between these five functions, you can you can parse out anything you want. It just starts getting pretty complicated. If we look at the city as an example here, we end up having to we end up having to um, uh, write a lot of formulas and combine formulas in order to be able to get the level of specificity that we want, uh, and that just might not be you know frankly what we want it to be. You know, so in the case of of uh, city here, we've got almost a dozen uh, of these running. So let me show you a couple of different ways that are actually a little bit better 
for you to consider using. Okay, so uh, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you the um, the uh, at the moment. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to show you the uh, the uh, flash fill as an example, and then we'll we'll look at uh, text to columns and we'll look at Power Query in later parts of our presentation. Okay, so let's say I wanted to get Nancy's name here, and let's just say I wanted to get just her name. I can go ahead and type out Nancy. Okay, I can come down here. I can type out Andrew, and notice as I start to type it will actually kick in and it will start to extract just those values for me. And we can see here that as we start to type Andrew's name, giving it a second example, it will actually continue. This is what we call flash fill. And flash fill will do the exact same thing with those text formulas did without having to remember all those formulas that you needed to do. So if we came over here and we typed out Freehafer, okay, and we type out Sassini, you'll see it remembers that I'm trying to do that pattern and will appropriately continue that pattern. One, two, three, Main Street so on and so forth. Now you can actually force it to do this mode as well. If you come over here to the data ribbon and from the data ribbon under your data tools section, you'll see an option next to text to columns called flash fill. And if we give it a single example and click that flash fill, if there is a pattern to be continued and it could recognize this, it will continue that pattern for us. Okay. Now, there is zero debugging with this tool. It either works or it doesn't. The one caveat that I would tell you that if it isn't working for you, make sure your data is touching. It is congruent. Uh, if we had a blank column here as an example and we tried to run flash fill, okay, it's going to say, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. And it has to be congruent. It has to be touching in order for that to work. We get rid of that blank column. We run flash fill again. It works exactly as you would want. So I'm not going to tell you that those text functions aren't useful. I use them all the time. Left, right, mid, find, and lend all the time. Where I primarily use them are in headers to find financial documents and more. But I will tell you what the, uh, the uh, flash fill is a lot simpler. Now, other methods that would also do the same thing as splitting this up text to columns, which we'll talk about later on, and Power Query. Um, those are going to be the two. If I had a bunch of data I need to spart, uh, parse and split, that would be how I would handle it. Okay. Let's uh, show you two other really useful text functions, which are going to be substitute and replace as well. Okay. Now you have substitute, you have replace. Uh, what's they will handle? It's a really useful option when you want to. Re uh, you can use this function to replace existing text with new text. And so, as an example here, if we wanted to replace part of our address with a different term, we could. And so in this case, if you look over here under C2, we've got 123 Main Street. But if we look over here to E2, we have 123 Main Street, with street being capitalized exactly the way it is. And what we're doing here is we're just telling it, hey, go and look for the word street in my address and replace it with ST. So if you have part of your chart of accounts and you wanted to replace like maybe a prefix or suffix to something, you could say, go look for 02 and replace it with 05, or you want to go and replace uh, things without having to destroy the original value. It's a great way of being able to do it. So we do equals pointed to whatever we, oh, sorry, equals substitute 
point it to whatever text we want, in this case C2. We're going to tell it to go look for street. And then we tell it, spell it correctly, Stephen. And we tell it maybe to do ST like this. And it would replace that text. Okay. Now we also have the replace function. Okay. And with respect to the replace function, similar to this, okay, what you could do is that this will allow you to replace part of a text string based off of the numbers you want to specify with a different string. Uh, so in this particular case, instead of looking for specific text, what this is working work off of is the position of something within that. So in this case, we're looking at cell A2. Okay, we're telling it to start at the fifth character. In this case, that fifth character would be the A of the ABC. We're telling it to replace the next three characters with XYZ. So substitute is going to look for part of a cell. It's going to look based off of like, you know, the uh, whatever the value you present here. Replace is going to go to a specific portion of a cell and replace a specific set of characters that you designate. So in this case, go five uh, characters in, replace the next three with this X, Y, Z. Uh, I tend to really kind of not ever use either one of these formulas, but if I did, I'm probably going to want to use the substitute because more often than not, I'm, I'm going to have a specific thing I'm looking for. Uh, this is going to be a lot more specific with respect to searching for something uh, where the replace is just going to be uh, going to be looking. Uh, it's going to just indiscriminately because it's going to go three characters in and it's going to go ahead and replace based off of there. Okay, so with that, that does, I believe, bring us to the end of chapter two. And let's go ahead and discuss a little bit chapter three. Okay, so in this next chapter, I want to go ahead and start talking about formulas, and I also want to start talk a little bit about tables, okay? And I really want to talk about the both tables and um, uh, first, because frankly, tables make really every operation inside of Excel better and more effective. And as we start to talk about them in the context of uh, formulas, they make formula writing operations better uh, than when, than when they're not there. Okay. So I have a specific example that I've just shared with you. If you want to go ahead and open that up and let's talk a little bit about tables, what they are, how they function and why, frankly, they're the greatest thing ever inside of Excel. Okay. Tables have seven major features that make them really effective and useful for virtually every operation inside of Excel, okay? 
And those major features and functions that you might choose to use here are uh, going to be, for example, they auto expand, they make styling and formatting faster, simpler and easier. They make formula replications faster, simpler and easier uh, and more. And uh, frankly, I would tell you that really kind of any time you're leveraging, ta uh, leveraging tables is going to make everything about using Excel a little bit simpler and easier. Okay, there are four major features though that you should know. Okay, first is they serve as a container. So they are a defined thing that allow you to be able to hold data and then reference that defined thing to find specific things that you're looking for, okay? The next thing is that they auto-replicate your formulas and work that you've done. So as you're working, if you're utilizing tables, it's gonna repeat the work that you've already done and as new data is added, it will automatically expand to include that new data. And it will also include additional formulas that you have written. Okay. And they're also useful for creating data models as well. Okay. And that'll become a little bit more important. And I'll talk about that when we discuss pivot tables a little bit later on. Now, other things, they use what are called structured references. I'll show you that here in a minute. Those structured references are fantastic because it makes formula writing operations faster, simpler, and easier to the point that this is how I write my formulas now are using tables. And I would also say they make your visual appearance, your styling options a lot simpler, faster, and easier too. Okay, so we're going to start off first here with just a simple, simple example, and we're going to create a table. Now, a couple of best practices. You might not need the table, a lot of the features and functions themselves directly, but you might want to utilize a table as a precursor function. Like, for example, uh, creating a pivot table from a table data is a heck of a lot simpler and easier than just creating a pivot table directly. Uh, in fact, to the point that I would tell you, anytime you're gonna create a pivot table, create a table first, then create your pivot table. Uh, mostly because they self-expand and as your pivot table has new rows and records, if they're in the scope of a table, they'll be in the scope of that pivot table. More on that later. Okay, uh, but with respect to the uh, table, there's only a couple things that you need to know. First and foremost, your table should have a header row. A header row, super helpful, super effective, super useful with respect to the uh, the table. And it's gonna make referencing your formula operations uh, faster, simpler, and easier, okay? I can't think of a single reason why you wouldn't use a header row as part of your table, okay? So always make sure you've got a header row. The next thing is you're gonna to wanna to make sure that your table is congruent and contiguous. You wanna make sure your data is all next to each other. Uh, you don't want completely blank columns. You don't want completely blank rows. If I go and I create a table, it is going to try to figure out where this table starts and stops. And if I have completely blank columns and rows, uh, it's going to cause issues. Okay. Now you could certainly override this, but generally you're going to want to remove any completely blank columns, any completely blank rows, because frankly, they don't need to be there. Okay. And so this is a good practice to get in. If you're leveraging Power Query, it's going to make that operation even faster and simpler because you can actually remove those blank columns and rows inside that tool. Okay. And ideally you want to get your data all touching each other. Okay. Now, more broadly speaking, what we have here is what we call the tabular data format or the relational data format. Uh, really simply, you want your rows to be represented by records. So each row is its own record and you want columns to describe those records. So the thing that is describing row two here, well, it's in the columns, you know, it's 
Column A is going to be employee ID. Column B is first name, last name, so on and so forth. Okay. Now, with respect to this, this is generally uh, how we would want to uh, have our data set up. Okay. And following this tabular data format is just going to make everything faster, simpler, and easier. In fact, most of our formulas, like VLOOKUP, is expecting our data to be in this format. Now, once we're ready to go to create our table, there are lots of different ways that we can go about doing so. Uh, a couple off the top of my head from our home ribbon, we can go ahead and select under next to conditional formatting. You'll see this option here that says format as table. Okay, we can come over here to the insert and right next to pivot table, we'll see table as an option here. That would work. We can come over here to data. We could leverage Power Query. More on that later. That would work. Okay, uh, we can use the Control T shortcut. That would work as well. No matter what way you go into it, before you create your table, it's going to pop up a little menu here and it's going to say, hey, you want to create a table. And it's going to ask you, uh, where is your data located? And then whether or not your data has a header row. So in this particular case, we could see here that I've removed whatever blank columns and completely blank rows. I'll point out blank cells, not a problem. You might not have a value, not a problem. You can leave that blank. Whole complete blank columns, blank rows, I'll get rid of them, okay? So in this case, it's figured out that I'm dealing with data from A1 to H1001, great. And we're also gonna see that uh, it is pre-checked the box that my table has headers, also great. We're gonna go ahead and click okay. Now, the first of our seven features of our tables are gonna pop up. And when we click okay, watch what immediately happens. Boom, style, okay? Style is immediately added to our table. And so straight away, like this makes working with this report much simpler and easier. And I don't have to set this uh, style option automatically. I don't have to set these style options uh, row by row, column by column. It just essentially just works for me. All right, so now when you're working with a table on the far right-hand side, you'll notice you've got a new ribbon menu called table design, okay? And from here, if you don't like the blue, if you're more of a green guy or a yellow gal, you can go ahead and you can adjust this to whatever color you'd like. And just like with other aspects of styles, these can be saved and recalled. You can share them between workbooks. Uh, you can uh, use these to match your organization's uh, marketing, branding guidelines, however you'd like, okay? And you could set this up in whatever manner works good for you. Okay. Now, I'm going to talk more about the styles here in a second. But I want to draw your attention to in the ribbon menu for our table design. If we click over here on the far left-hand corner, you'll see table name. And uh, by default, the first table you create in a workbook is table one. The next one's going to be what, folks? Table two, table three, table four, so on and so forth. It could be, at least for me, super confusing what the heck is in table one, table two, table three. And so what I would encourage you to do the second you've gone and created your table is come into the table design options here and uh, go ahead and give that table a name. Okay, so in this particular case, let's just call this, uh, 
I don't know, payroll data, I guess. I think that's a pretty good option here. And the name should be reflective of what that data actually is. And the rules for your table names are going to be very similar to your defined names. Can't represent a cell. It can't conflict with other defined names in the workbook. Uh, has to start with a letter. Uh, you can't, you should keep it all contiguous. You shouldn't have like two words. It shouldn't say like payroll space 2022. You should just call it payroll 2022 all as one word. Uh, you can use uh, underscores and dashes, I believe, but I would generally just tell you, just keep it as a simple one word uh, thing. And uh, we're going to call here and just instead of table two, we're just going to call this one payroll. Okay. More on that in a moment. All right, so the second you've created your table, go and get a table name. You'll see that appearance is immediately applied. I'll point out, coming back to our appearance here for an option, under our table design options, you'll see that you have a couple of things here that you can turn on. You can, for example, style your header row or turn off and on your header row. If you don't want it, you can go ahead and remove it. Something really cool with your header row. Notice when we're at the top of our worksheet, we have column A, B, C, D, E, and F. Notice if I scroll down though, notice that A, B, C, D, and F are now replaced with the header row of my data. Okay. What can this help with? You no longer have to freeze your rows any longer. Okay. You could turn this off though by turning off that header row option here. Now, I personally love that header row. Not only does it make my data pop, but as I'm scrolling down, it's nice to be able to remember the name of the column uh, because it's a lot more useful than remembering the column letter. But we could turn off and on the banding of the rows. So if we want these programmatically applied uh, styling options, we can turn that off or on. Okay. I'll point out in a second, when we add new data here, the banding is programmatically applied. It's not applied by you discreetly selecting the columns and rows and then changing the background color. It's going to figure out your alternating colors automatically for you. You can also style your first column. You can style your last column as well. Okay. You can also band your columns if you wanted to do something like that. Okay. And you can also apply your filtering. Now there's two specific options I didn't discuss. I'm going to save those here for a minute, your total row and your filter button, but just realize those are also options that can be turned off and on discreetly. So styling, amazing. Okay. Uh, now the next feature I want to talk about with respect to tables, they auto expand. Let's say we wanted to come over here to column I. Okay. And let's say we wanted to create a new column and I'm just going to create something here. Let's just call it, uh, payroll taxes collected as an example here. Now I will fully realize that payroll taxes is not just a simple number. I'm just doing one simple operation here. Uh, so don't worry about it. You know, the point I want to show you is that this table will automatically expand. So if we select and create a new column here called payroll tax collected, Notice that the second we create this column and we hit enter here, this auto expands. It creates this new column over here automatically for us. How cool is that? And so these will automatically expand to data that is on the right and they'll automatically expand to new data that is put it down. So if we add new rows here, notice as I'm adding these new rows and I'm just hitting control D to copy the above row down, it's automatically expanding to include that. And it's also going to include whatever work we've done. So any formulas that we've written as well as uh, any styling will automatically be included as well. 
And so what that reason alone makes it super useful uh, because of the dynamic nature that they can automatically expand that way. Okay, the next thing. So we've gotten two. The third feature, formula replication. When you're using a table, it doesn't matter where you write the formula. The formula itself will auto-replicate and keep the whole column in sync. So if I came over here and let's just say we wanted to uh, multiply H15 and let's just say we were collecting 10% payroll tax here. Okay. So all I'm doing is simply just writing my formula here and I hit enter. Guess what? It's going to replicate that whole column. And that whole column now is going to be in sync. And I didn't have to go to the top and copy that cell down. Let's just say I got down to cell 54 and I realized actually, you know what? It's not 10%. It's actually 12%. I'm adjusting that value over here on, on row 54. It'll keep that whole column in sync. And now that new formula value is going to be presented here. This is really, I've always found helpful for like lookups. You know, you might run a lookup and you get 10 rows down and you realize it's working, but then it's not, you know, then you got to adjust the lookup. You get it to work in that column, that cell. Then what do you got to do? Here you go to the top, paste that formula in, then copy it all the way down. All that goes away. It's going to keep your whole column in sync. Okay. And in fact, whatever values we have that are new that expand down here. Okay, so we expand this. Watch, I'm just copying these adjacent cells above. That formula is going to expand as well. Okay, and so it is really, 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 really useful for dynamic data sets. Okay. Now, the next thing I wanted to show you is the referencing with respect to these formulas. Okay, if you remember, I told you that um, it'll auto complete your formulas, which are useful, but it can actually make your formula writing operations a lot simpler and easier too, okay? So we've got cell H7 here. What we could choose to use is we can actually tell it the name of the table and the name of the column that we want this table to be. And instead of saying H7, it could say payroll. It could say department. It could say whatever we want it to be. And it makes writing our formulas much simpler and easier because we don't have to remember where things are located, the position, but rather the column and the table that that data is stored. So I'm going to come over here just to an adjacent cell. And I want to show you some really kind of cool things you can do with respect to tables. Like I could, for example, do equals and then type the name of the table in case payroll. Notice how it highlights the whole table here and hit enter. And I can spill that formula in and it'll replicate that table elsewhere inside of my workbook. Okay. I can also reference specific columns, the header row, the total row, and more. Let me show you how those work. Now, what I want you to know with respect to this is there's a standard syntax formula language for working with tables. It's the name of the table and then whatever special operator you want to use and then the column name. Okay. And anytime you're working inside of Excel and you see square brackets, what does that mean? Square brackets mean table. Okay. So in this particular case, the formula language would, and anywhere that you use inside of formulas, instead of referencing the position like H1, B36, you can reference the name of the table, square bracket, and the column that you want to apply it to. Now, we can have what we call fully qualified names, which would include both the name of the table and the name of the column. We can also have uh, non-fully qualified names. If we happen to be in the column itself, like over here under payroll tax collected, I don't have to say the name of the table because it's in the table. I can go ahead and do equals and I can actually point it to the payroll column and I can say, hey, use that value. And 
And uh, it knows that, hey, he probably means the payroll table. And in fact, I don't have to specify this there. Let me show you a couple of ways that you could reference this. If you're outside the table, though, you absolutely need to use the name of the table, the name of the column. So we're going to do equals payroll. Okay. We'll use a square bracket. And that square bracket basically means go inside of this table. Then I can specify whatever column I want. So if I wanted to get the department as an example here, and I hit a square bracket to close it, here's what that formula looks like. And notice it's highlighting just that column. If I hit enter, it'll just pull over that data. Okay. Now we can get other special things as well. We could, for example, we could say the payroll table, and let's say I just want to get the header rows and just copy our header rows over. I could do bracket pound headers and it'll copy just the header rows. Okay, we can come on over here, we can do payroll, and we can go ahead and say, just get me the total row or just get me the data as well. And it will just grab the appropriate thing that we specified. Okay, we can come on over here and we can run any type of math or any type of formula operation. Instead of referencing the cell position, we reference the table and the column. Now, there's one extra special operator you should know, and that is going to be the at sign. And that at sign represents the current row. And so the way this literally reads is, hey, the current row, go to the payroll column. So look at row three here, grab that value and then multiply it by, in this case, 1.2%. Um, Okay. And so that's how that would operate. So structured references for formulas, super useful, super nifty, leveraging these with tables and formulas, make it so that the auditability of these formulas are really helpful and useful. Okay. A couple other useful things with respect to tables. If we came over here to our data, uh, you'll notice that we've got, uh, our filter button. Okay, that filter button makes working with tables really effective and simple. We can also turn that filter button on from our table design. It's the exact same feature and function. And sorting and filtering our tables because they are that defined data object are simple and easy. Uh, frankly, they make filter, sorting and filtering faster too because it, uh, it's storing it in the relational model and it, it just has a little bit extra oomph, or at least it feels that way with respect to sorting and filtering, especially on large data sets. And from here, we can go ahead and sort and filter easily, and we can turn off and on that filter option. Now, if we come to the bottom of our data set here, okay, we can also add a total row. Now, there's lots of different ways that you can do totals. You might be so inclined, for example, to highlight this whole cell, and you can come down here and... Uh, you know, for example, come to that below cell and use the auto sum. Okay, that would work. So if we came over here, you know, you can create an auto sum this way. You might be so inclined to write a sum or subtotal function. We can, for example, sum our payroll taxes here pretty easily by writing that sum function. Okay, but it's actually even simpler and easier with respect to our table. If we come on over here to our table design and then we select this option total row, it'll actually add a total row automatically for us. Okay, and in fact, we've done this. Okay, and it added that total appropriately. Okay, we can actually come over to additional columns so we can add a sum over here. Maybe we do a count on the number of uh, people we've got. Okay. And we've added that total row. And if we don't want it, not a problem. We come over our table design. We go ahead and we turn off that total row and it goes away. 
Tables are fantastic. They make every operation inside of Excel better, faster, easier. And when it comes to having something to hold your raw data, super, 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 super recommend that you use tables whenever you possibly can to hold your raw data, because it's going to make your formulas, your lookups faster, simpler, and easier. And I will pretty much just be using this style going forward as we talk through other formula operations here, because again, it just makes everything faster, simpler, and easier. And we're just scratching the surface. I actually teach an eight hour uh, class specifically just on tables and data modeling. That's how powerful it is. And if that interests you, check out the podcast. I've got several episodes on tables and formula referencing and more uh, that are really kind of useful. Now, um, I did get the request to show you a couple of advanced formulas and, and considering we're going to be taking a break here just in a little bit, uh, let me just show you a couple of other advanced formulas that I think are quite useful to use in conjunction with tables. And these are going to be what we call dynamic array formulas. Now a dynamic array formula is where we can write a formula that applies to multiple cells concurrently. It is a formula where you could have one cell, for example, um, that could populate many other cells around it. Okay, and dynamic arrays are really, they're a new, compelling, cutting-edge formula style where we can go ahead and uh, write one formula that will ultimately do operations in several cells. Okay, this will make a little bit more sense here in a moment if this seems as clear as mud. Okay, so there are several different ones. You've got sort, unique, you've got filter, rand array, stock history. Uh, there are lots of examples here, but in a nutshell, with a dynamic array formula, this is a formula where you write a formula in one cell, and then that formula will auto replicate to many other cells around it. Okay, so let me show you a couple of examples of this, and I'm going to show you a handful here in the uh, time that we've got left. Okay, and the first one I want to show you is going to be unique. Okay, so over here in our table of data, you know, let's say I just wanted to get a unique listing of all the departments, or I wanted to get a unique listing of all the states. Well, there are several different ways if we wanted to get uniqueness. And ultimately with uniqueness, what are we looking to do? We're looking to get, get rid of duplicates, right? Well, several different ways that we can handle this. Okay, as I showed you, a destructive method, we can come over here and select this under data ribbon, under data tools, remove duplicates. It'll nuke our data set, only showing us in keeping unique values indiscriminately. We could use the advanced option here. And with that advanced option, we can filter down to a specified list, just getting our unique records. We could also come over to our home ribbon, as I showed you with conditional formatting. And with our conditional formatting, we could also get our, our duplicate values. But believe it or not, you could never do this up until very recently when they added the dynamic array formulas to get our unique values through a formula. And now we can. So with the unique functions, we'll come on over here and we're going to use the unique formula. And I'm going to type in unique like this. It's going to ask for our array. In this case, our array is going to be the payroll table. And then if I wanted to get a unique listing just of departments, well, I'll just do like this. And there you go. That is your unique listing of just your departments. And you're only going to see those things pop up once. Okay. Oops. 
And so that is how, if we wanted to get just the formulaic listing of this, we could do. Now with this, we could maybe compare this and we'll talk a little bit more about the sum ifs a little bit later on, but let's just jump ahead here and we can do equals sum ifs and we can go ahead and sum. Let's go to the payroll table. Let's go to the payroll column. Let's go ahead and compare that to the department column. So with our sum ifs, we're going to specify the first, the column, or we're going to do math. Then we're going to specify the column that we're going to do the comparison. So we're going to say again, the payroll table, the department column. And in this particular case, we're just going to say our criteria. We're going to point it over here to K2. There you go. Boom. That's using some ifs in conjunction with the unique formula to get, in this case, a sum of our um, payroll by department. Okay, so unique will go to a specified cell or specified table, a specified array, and pull out just the unique listings. What makes it a dynamic array? Look around this cell here. You see how it's blue? Okay, if you notice in cell K2 here, Notice that the formula I've written is black. If I go down one cell, notice it's a subtle distinction here. Notice it's now gray. I'll toggle between these. Okay. It's a dynamic array formula because this case cell K2 is populating all these adjacent cells below it. In dynamic arrays where we're actually seeing a lot of the new features and functions of Excel being added. Okay. Other ones we could, for example, filter our data. Uh, so if we wanted to filter, okay, we could go ahead and for example, filter our payroll table. Okay, we can tell it what to include. Okay, so I'm going to say, for example, go to the payroll uh, specifically column here and only get me payroll where it is, let's say, over uh, $2,600. Okay, and we'll go ahead and specify that. Boom. This now specified, and if you go look, you're not going to find a single value here over under 2600 okay we could specify let's make it high i don't know what the highest number is in here so let's say 9000 okay here are just your values with 9000 and so we can dynamically filter out using a formula here just getting the values that we'd like to see present presented and again this is a dynamic array pulling data from that table okay we could sort our data so let's just say if we wanted to equals do sort buying we're going to sort our payroll Actually, not sort. We're going to use just the sort function. Okay, we're going to go ahead and sort our payroll table. Let's say we wanted to sort it and put this into alpha order by last name. And so that's going to be the third column. So we're going to go ahead and say our third column, sort by our third column, and let's put it into ascending order by last name. Okay, so go to the payroll table. Go to the third column, sort that in ascending order, and that's how you get this in ascending order by last name. We can do the same thing. We'll do equals payroll. Oops, sorry. Uh, let's say we wanted to get this in. Let's say we wanted to get it in by payroll number. Well, that is going to be the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth column. So we'll come on over here to our sort by and instead of being in column three we'll say column eight and let's put it into descending order so we'll do a negative one here and then now what you've got is again that dynamic array of the payroll table being sorted by the eighth column in descending order
So these are pretty advanced formulas. This is the newest and latest and greatest. One last one, stock history. I'm going to open up a new worksheet here. Now, let's say you wanted to go and grab stock history for something. Um, let's say you wanted to go and get the historical price of, let's say, the Microsoft stock and pull this into Excel to maybe do some financial analysis. Okay. You'd probably go to your favorite search engine, maybe Google, maybe Bing. And what you're going to be looking for ideally here would be some sort of, you know, history of that particular stock price. Maybe you'll type out stock price table here. And ideally what you'd end up finding here would be some sort of table to pull this data in. We can actually do this straight inside of Excel now, which is super useful. Okay. And so instead of having to copy and paste this data from, you know, your browser, you can use the stock history dynamic array type. So I'm going to go ahead and in cell A1 here, I'm going to put my ticker symbol. And so I'm going to do MSFT as my example here. And then down here, right below it, I'm going to go ahead and type out stock history. Okay, the stock is going to be stored in A1. And then there are a couple of parameters we can choose to use. Let's do for our start date here, let's do the beginning of uh, June. So we'll do 06, 01, 22. And we'll tell it to go to the end of the month here, 06, 30, 22, and we'll just end this. And here you go. It has dynamically fetched the history of that particular stock. And you'll notice there's breaks in here, like from the third to the sixth. Well, what are those? Weekends. Okay. Now we have some other options with this. Okay. And again, it's a dynamic array because that formula is only here in A2, but it's populating cells A2 through B16. Okay, we have some other arguments we could choose to use here. And let's actually make this instead of uh, being from June 1st, let's go ahead and make this from the beginning of the year. Okay, now we could specify at a very minimum a ticker symbol and a start date. We optionally can specify an end date. We optionally can come over here and specify the interval. We can say get us the daily price. Maybe we only want to get the weekly or monthly price. And in doing so, here it is by week or in the, I'm sorry, in this case by month, the close. Okay, and we optionally can go ahead and we can add not only the um, close price, but we can get maybe, for example, the open, the close, the low, the high, as well as the volume. And so from that one formula here, we actually have, in this case, A2, populating all the way down here to F119 here, the historical price of Microsoft. And if we change this to a different symbol, you know, uh, we can go ahead and we can grab a different one. And this is a great way of uh, using a dynamic array to populate um, a whole, in this case, financial analysis pretty quickly and easily. Okay. Dynamic arrays are for the most part, Office 365 subscriber only features. So that's one of many reasons why you might want to consider Office 365 for your organization. Come back. We're going to go ahead and get into formulas. We're going to be looking both at formula basics, lookup formulas and accounting formulas and more, lots more great stuff coming your way. And we're going to do these in the context of our tables. Hopefully you're learning a lot. Hopefully you're picking up some great best practices for your workbooks. Again, I really appreciate you all being here and coming to my class today. This concludes today's presentation. As a reminder, if you're watching or listening to our show on YouTube, Facebook, or elsewhere, you can earn credits 
by going to cpetoday.com and passing a brief five-question quiz. If you're a new watcher or listener to our show and you'd like to earn a credit, you can do so for free by using coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout. You can make today's class or any other class of your choosing 100% free with this code. Please consider reaching out and connecting with us on social media. You can subscribe to our channel on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook and more. Feel free to leave us a comment. Also, please consider subscribing to our show wherever you happen to receive your content, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and others. Thank you so much for being here. We look forward to seeing you back at the office the next time around.